السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا وربا شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا وقرة أعيننا محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره الكافرون ولو كره المشركون أما بعد فيا عباد الله إني أوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله فقد قال الله تعالى في كتابه العزيز يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله in this blessed day in this blessed month and in the blessed place in which Allah subhanahu wa taala calls his home his homes في بيوت أذن الله أن ترفع in, in homes or in, in places in which Allah has permitted to be resurrected, to, to be erected, and in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted His name to be mentioned. In the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we, we are blessed to be gathered, and we are blessed to be here, especially in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal, the month in which our beloved Prophet sallallahu was born. And it is to the points in which the Prophet sallallahu encouraged his ummah, after Iman, his biggest encouragement to the Ummah was the Salah, was the prayer. And not just for performing the prayer, but performing it with absolute ihsan, with accidents. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Quran, حَافِذُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى وَقُمُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ Preserve and hold fast to the prayers, especially and the middle prayer, and some scholars say especially the middle prayer, because that's the time that we are most... Uh, occupied and stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a state of devotion and this is one of many many verses of the Quran and and without even mentioning the hadith of the Prophet on the virtues of the prayer another verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says establish the prayer at the two ends of the day and some portions of the nights Indeed, good deeds uh, erase bad deeds. Indeed, indeed, good deeds erase bad deeds. That is a reminder for those who will be, who will be mindful. So the prayer, again, we, hear, we see here that the prayer is a means of erasing good deeds. Uh, sorry, erasing sins. The Prophet Allah says in Surah Al-Qasas, Indeed, the prayer pre prevents one from shameful acts and from sins. However, when we see these, these verses, we have to understand them right, in the context. Right? For whom are these virtues? Is it just for anyone who prays the prayer outwardly without the spirit of the prayer being, uh, being there? Is it just for the person who does the motions of the bowing and the prostration, and, but their heart is elsewhere? Right? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, and this hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmad, Man hafadha ala salawati al-khamsi 
على وضوئها ومواقيتها وركوعها وسجودها ويعترف أنها حق لله تعالى عليه كان جسده حراما على النار and there's a few different narrations this one is narrated by Imam Ahmad who says whoever holds fast to the, the five prayers they do it consistently they protect those prayers they, they are muwadhaba aliha they have consistency in doing them right? whoever holds fast to the five prayers it's wudu it's meaning it's pre-prayer ablution right it's times it's bowing it's prostration and knows that this is the right of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on on them then their body is prohibited from entering entering the fire their body will never enter the fire but we see the words that are used in these in these these hadith and in the words that were used in the previous uh, verses that were recited we have the words muhafaza muhafaza to preserve to protect we have the word iqama to establish right and these words are not incidental these words were used specifically because it doesn't just mean to perform the word ada in arabic to perform something to fulfill something outwardly it doesn't mean that it has a deeper meaning so these virtues and all of the rewards that are promised for the people of prayer all the rewards that are mentioned in the quran and the benefits of the prayer all of it is that is dependent on upon a person's iqama of the prayer establishment of the prayer not just basic performance not just basic performance and this is the difference of the arabic language of iqamat as-salat establish the prayer right and the prophet ﷺ, he said that islam is built on five things and amongst them he said iqamat as-salat right an establishment of the prayer so what does iqamat as-salat mean what does establishing the prayer mean the scholars they mentioned it is al-muhafadhatu alayha fi awqatiha ma'a istifati shurutiha wa arkaniha zahiran wa batilan that it is to preserve it meaning to preserve the prayer in its appropriate times whilst fulfilling its conditions and integrals outwardly and inwardly outwardly and inwardly right so the first thing he mentions is preserving the prayer by right? being consistent in the prayer right fulfilling the five daily prayers right and then after that working one's way up to the to emphasize sunnah prayers and so forth right but the first condition is fi awqatiha in their appropriate times in their appropriate times and the, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse is a very beautiful verse to read the commentary of because the scholars they went into great deep depth about the beauty of this verse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna salata kanat alal mu'minina kitaban mawquta indeed the prayer was prescribed for the believers at specific times specific times so uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud one of the great uh, companions of the Prophet وسلم, he asked the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said what is the best good deed what is the most virtuous good deed and the Prophet said as-salatu fi waqtiha prayer at its at its proper at its proper time Sayyida Aisha radhiallahu anha narrates of the messenger sallallahu practice that he would talk to us and we would talk to him meaning in the household and we would have conversations we would talk and she even narrates that kind of mazah in fil bayt that he would he would joke right that he would he would deal with us the way that any one of you would deal with their families right he would be right? he it wouldn't be like i'm the messenger of allah and then right? no he was he was a very gentle and joyful jovial person especially in the home but she said that even though that was his state she said though when the prayer came in it was as if he did not know us and we did not know him 
when the time for the prayer came in, right, he immediately went to the prayer. He did. He immediately began to get ready for standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Despite his love for his family, despite his, right, the comforts of his home, he knew the, the, the appropriate response to the adhan, the call to the prayer. Sayyida Ali, radiallahu uh, anhu, our, uh, uh, the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu uh, he said that they, they narrated about him that when the adhan would be called, when the call to prayer would be given, that he would begin to shake and he would change color. His face would change color. Uh, and people, they saw him, and this was a constant state of his. That every time the adhan would go off, he would, he would stop and he would shake and he would start to change color. And they would say, Ya, ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, O leader of the believers, what is with you? What is this that we see of you every time the adhan is called? He says that the time has come for the fulfillment of the trust that Allah presented to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, and they refused to carry it right? out of fear for it, out of fear of the responsibility. But I carry that responsibility. I, as a human being, must stand up before my Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is how they were as soon as they heard the adhan. Because they understood the importance of the prayer, but not just doing the prayer, but the praying it on time. And they would, they, the Prophet said that if you had known the value and what was in standing in the front row of the prayer, right, getting into the front row of the prayer, being getting there early for the prayer, then you would have come to it even if you had to crawl. If, you un, if we truly understood the value of the prayer and what is in store for those who come early and those who give the prayer its proper due and its respect, then we would all have come to it right, without any excuses. We would make excuses to, to come, not to excuses not to come. Right? And one of the biggest tribulations right, of, with regards to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to have a lack of reverence for the prayer. And the first, and for, first symptom of having a lack of reverence for the prayer is to delay the prayer to delay it beyond its time, and even worse, to delay it outside of its time to where now it has to be made up, iqada. right? And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indicating to when he says, Woe to those who pray. Those who are neglectful of their prayer. And the scholars of commentary, they, meant, they, they mentioned that neglectful of the prayer doesn't just mean someone who doesn't pray. Right? It also includes those who delay their prayer unnecessarily. I'll do it later. Oh, we still have a couple out. We have an hour left. Right? I'll do it later. Right? And these are things that we are all victim to. Right? So we need to pray on time. We need to pray the prayer. And first thing we need to work on is the timings of our salat, of our prayer. And some, advice, some means of doing that is to have a prayer schedule, to have it printed out in your home, not just on the app, right? but to have it printed out, have it there. In a, in, the, in a specific room that you usually do your prayer in. Right? The second, if, if you have older children who are responsible enough to do so, teach them to call the adhan at the time of the prayer. When the prayer comes in, teach them to call the adhan in the house. And this is a barakah for your household to call the adhan and the iqama. And it's a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that is commonly neglected. That we do the prayer at home, if we do it at home, right? that, but we just say, Allahu Akbar. No adhan, no iqama, right? whereas the adhan and the iqama are part of the sunnah of the Prophet and they help to prepare the heart for what is coming. Right? So, and then if you have your older children, call the prayer at the right at the time. Put out the prayer mats right, uh, in, the, in their proper place. 
prepare for the salah, right, then they will grow up with that reverence in their hearts. They will be a means of, uh, uh, they will be a role model for their younger siblings. They will be a means of helping the entire family to establish this, this beautiful gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second part of the definition of establishing the prayer right, is fulfilling its conditions and its integrals outwardly and inwardly. Now, the only way to fulfill the outward conditions and the outward integrals of the prayer is to have knowledge of the prayer. How do we pray? In the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Pray as if you've seen, as though you've seen me pray. Pray as you've seen me pray. Right now, it's beautiful that the Prophet ﷺ said, he didn't say, pray the way I taught you to pray. He said, pray the way you see me pray. And this really opens up the door for a lot of meanings. Because the Sahaba, imagine yourself, you're there at the masjid of the Prophet Wasallam, and it's uh, before it was the, as big as it is now, right? you have the, the pebbles on the ground, you don't have any lights. Right? It's a very simple place, but it's filled with the nur. It's filled with light and filled with blessing. Imagine you are there, and you're watching the Prophet Wasallam pray. Right? What, what would you see? Would you just see, okay, the ruku' is like this and the sajda is like this? Or would you witness a lot more meaning? Would you witness a prayer of deep sincerity and devotion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right? The Sahaba, they saw the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu but they didn't just see the outward prayer of him sallallahu They saw his crying before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They saw his takbir saying, Allahu Akbar, with a heart that has absolute certainty, absolute certainty that Allah is Akbar. And not a heart that is filled with uh, the greatness of other things, of worldliness, and we say, Allahu Akbar. It's as if our tongues are belying our hearts. Right? We ask Allah to forgive us, but pray as you've seen me pray. Right? And because of the Prophet saying that, we know exactly how he prayed to the letter, down to the T. And one of the, some of the great scholars of the Yemeni tradition, they would actually, uh, when they would walk from one city to another city, and it was a quite long walk, and they, his two brothers, one was uh, Abdullah bin Hussein bin Tahir, and the other one was Tahir bin Hussein bin Tahir, that they would say, oh, brother of mine, while we're walking, right, if you have a long walk, let us count the sunnahs of the Prophet in the prayer. Let us count, while we're walking, the sunnahs of the Prophet in the prayer. Right? They reached their destination, and they had reached a thousand sunnahs, and they still haven't finished. A thousand sunnahs of the prayer. We know how the Prophet prayed to the T, right? but it is according to our love and our reverence of the Prophet, according to our love and our reverence of the, of the Salat itself, and according to our desire and our, our, our reverence for sacred knowledge, that we'll be able to mimic the prayer of the Prophet so that when we pray, Allah sees us as he saw his, his Habib, his beloved, وسلم, and he loves us because, like he loved him. This, and we see that the Prophet وسلم, he taught the companions how to pray, exactly how they should be praying. One time, a, a Bedouin man came into the masjid of the Prophet وسلم, and he prayed. And the Prophet وسلم, was sitting to the side and he saw this man praying. And after the person finished the prayer, the Prophet وسلم, he said, Stand up and pray again because you didn't pray. That wasn't a prayer. That, that wasn't what I taught you all. That wasn't the prayer. And the man went back and prayed again. And the Prophet said the same thing. Stand up and pray because you did not pray. Right? And then the scholars discuss why is it that his prayer wasn't counted. Right? 
But the Prophet said it again three times. And after that, the man said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't know how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And the Prophet taught him how to pray step by step by step. And it's from that hadith that we get majority of our rulings of the prayer. Right? Alihi salatu wasalam. Now, how many of us are 100% certain that our prayers are valid? How many of us can say with absolute certainty, with absolute resolve, that my prayer is valid with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That my prayer is in accordance to the teachings of the scholars of this deen? Is that my prayer is in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet How many of us can say that with absolute certainty? Because if we can't say that, we need to go and study. We need to go seek that knowledge because this is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we need to show respect to in order for us to gain all of the blessings and the benefits that Allah has prepared for it. And to this point, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, he warned the people. He spoke to them. He gave them real talk. He spoke to them just so that they can understand this, this, the seriousness of the matter. He said to them, radiallahu anhu, many people whose eyebrows have become gray and Allah hasn't accepted from them a single raka'ah. A single unit of prayer, not even a, a prayer itself, a single raka'ah, a single bow. Right? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for what we've done in the past and to accept our, uh, and accept our prayers, ya Allah. Right? The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa himself, he said, how many people pray and their only portion of their prayer is tiredness and fatigue. All they got out of that prayer was the fact that they missed some sleep and that they're tired now. That's all they got, no rewards. No forgiveness of sins, no prevention from, from shameful acts, no raise the raising of ranks in the day of judgment, no protection in the grave, no lights in the hearts, no lights in the grave. Right? All they got was tiredness. Why? Because they neglected the, 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 to pray as the Prophet prayed. They, they neglected to seek the knowledge of how to pray properly. They neglected to seek the knowledge of how to pray properly with one's heart as well as one's body. Right? And this brings us to the fact that in order to fulfill the outward conditions, right, we need to have knowledge. But we also need to fulfill the inward conditions of the prayer, which are, if you summarize them all, they come down to a basic three. Sincerity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person can pray the perfect prayer, exactly like the Prophet but if they pray it to be called pious or to show off to so-and-so or that so-and-so uh, sees them and gives them the job that they wanted or that so-and-so sees them and lets them marry their, their, their relative, right? then it's not, it's not for Allah. Right? Allah will say on the Day of Judgment, go to that person and get your reward. Right? And no one will be able to help at all on that day. It must be for the sake of Allah only. Right? The second is the heart must be present in the prayer. And the third is that we must have reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and we quoted this verse earlier, and stand for Allah in devotion. Not just standing, but stand in devotion. Al-Mujahid, one of the great commentators of the Quran, he said that in devotion, in this verse, means to be still. Your limbs be still, that your eyes be lowered. And we know the Prophet taught us to look at the, the place of sajda that we're, while we're standing, right? And that one's limbs be, uh, be humbled in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what devotion means. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that a person yaltafit, that he, he turns in the salat. And this means that they turn, he turns his head. He goes like this. Right? Now this is, this is uh, in the Hanafi school, this is prohibitively disliked. It's sinful. 
to do that in the prayer, unless there's a necessity. There's children running around, you need to check, make sure they're safe, that's fine. Right? Without necessity to look here, look there, right? not just with the eyes, but especially using the head, it's disliked. So the Prophet said that a person will turn in the prayer like this. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to them, إِلَى مَنْ يَلْتَفَتْ إِلَى مَنْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِنِّي To whom are they turning? To someone better than me? And then the Prophet said that that person will do it a second time. And Allah will say the same thing. To whom is he turning? To, to one who is better than me? And then the Prophet said that the person will do it a third time and Allah will turn his intention to, uh, completely away from them. Allah will turn away from them. And Imam Abdullah bin Alwi al-Haddad, he says that if this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deals with the person who's turning their, their head in the prayer, what about a person whose heart is turning this way and that way, about look, thinking about the world, thinking about this, and thinking about sins in the middle of the prayer? Okay. And this is what Imam al-Haddad, he meant when he said in his poem, that, I, that we pray the five daily prayers, but the heart is... The heart is uh, traveling in the valleys of waswas, of, of other thoughts, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, janibi, that are coming from every direction. Now, a thought is not, you're not accountable for a thought as long as you don't accept it and entertain it in your, in your, in your prayer. Right? And there's ways to, to combat these uh, involuntary thoughts. Right? So one's outward stillness is essential to the prayer. Right? It's, I'm not I'm talking about essential regarding validity. I'm talking about essential with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting that prayer and that prayer having a transformative effect on the hearts. Right? But in order to have outward stillness, there has to be inward stillness. And this is the Prophet ﷺ, he entered the masjid and he saw a man praying. But the, in the prayer, the man was playing with his beard. He was playing around with his beard. And the Prophet he said, Had this person's heart been still, his limbs would have been still. Had this person's heart been still, his limbs would have been still. Now, in order to gain inward stillness right, of the, uh, in the heart, there are some steps. Right? And the first and foremost is reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Hassan al-Basri, he said, Every prayer in which the heart is not present is more deserving of punishment than reward. Imagine going to a meeting. Right? And this is a worldly example. Right? And, and for Allah is the greatest example. But imagine you're going to a meeting. Right? And the boss is, right, the potential boss is in front of you. Right? And he's asking you questions. And you're like, yeah, I worked at this place before. And, yeah, and uh, oh, that's a nice pen. Huh? That's a nice picture over there. And you're not giving him his due attention. Do you think he'll hire you? Do you think he'll hire you? Even if your resume is good, even if outwardly you're fine, would he hire you out of that disrespect you showed him in the, in the interview? Right? And this is how we are when we're standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're playing around, we're looking here and there, we're not thinking of anything to do with the prayer. Right? Many times we don't even know what we recited. Many times we don't know what rakah. Where, what, how many units of prayer that we prayed. Right? And, and it's to this meaning that Imam al-Haddad, he said, Man Whoever's prayer is free, is bereft of presence, 
then their prayer, their, their, their worship is haba'un manthor, is dust in the wind, meaning nothing. Right? And the Prophet he said, verily the, the, the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pray a prayer and not even one-sixth nor one-tenth will be written for them. Right? Only that which the servant is aware of is written for them, meaning their heart is present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this may, this may sound staunch, this may sound uh, sh like strict wordings right, of these hadith and these sayings of the, of the, of the pious, but imagine right, if a person truly understood what Allah is waiting to give for them, give them in the prayer, right, they would understand these realities. They would understand how egregious it would be to take that gift and th throw it back as if we don't want it, as if we don't need it. Right? Allah is giving us a gift. The person who is praying is in communion with their Lord, in private conversation with their Lord. And it is this prayer that, is, that the Prophet was given in person, in person, in the Mi'raj, as a gift to the believers. And the companions, they weren't, they weren't upset at it. They were, they were finally ecstatic that finally now we have some way to, to, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that he wants. They were ecstatic. And it is the prayer of the righteous that they, they equate to the life of paradise. Imam al-Haddad, he quotes some of the early scholars saying that they would pray their night prayers. And they, meaning this is a voluntary prayer, let alone the, the obligatory prayer. And they would say that uh, if the people of paradise, meaning the people who are in paradise, if the people of paradise are experiencing anything close to what we are experiencing in our prayers, then they must be living a good life. Allahu Akbar. That's waiting for all of us. That is waiting for all of us. We need to understand that Allah is giving us a gift. So, and it's to this exact meaning that the Prophet trained his companions. It's not something that will happen overnight. It takes practice. Just like everything that we've done that we've mastered. We have, some of us are here have good skills. Some of us here are, have, are, are, are masters at their job. Whether it be a craft, or whether it be a vocation, whether it be a career, you're masters at it. Why? Because we practiced it. We gave time to it. We put effort in. We rolled up our sleeves and we did the work. And now we are enjoying the fruits of those things because people appreciate, right? They appreciate the mastery that we've acquired, right? Why don't we put the same effort into our prayer? Why don't we practice our prayer? And this is what the, prayer, the prayers are supposed to be, that we're supposed to, establishing them will help us slowly but surely increase in our quality of our prayer and bring us to these, these meanings, right? And the Prophet, he trained the companions to, to be outwardly and inwardly uh, excellent at their prayer. We see an example of the outward, that the Bedouin came, he said, nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. He trained them to pray properly outwardly, but he also trained them to pray properly inwardly, to make sure that their hearts were in the right place. The Prophet, he made a challenge to the companions, and he said, who amongst you will pray four units of prayer and not think of anything else of the world in the whole entire four units. If they do, I guarantee for them a camel. I guarantee for them a camel. Look at this. He's training them right, to, to pray and not think of anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one companion, he raises his hand. I'll do it. And he prays the prayer. And everyone's sitting there watching. Right? And he, he makes the salam.
right? And then the Prophet ﷺ, he asked him, did you think of anything else of the world? Did you think of anything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or your prayer itself? And the man said, you know, I made it through the whole prayer. And in the final sitting, it crossed my mind, I wonder what kind of camel. <laughs> I wonder what kind of camel, sallallahu He trained the companions right, to work on their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Right, this is the beauty of the Prophet sallallahu But he never, right, he never allowed them to get away with neglecting that which is a blessing for them. The prayer is not something that Allah needs from us. Allah doesn't need anything. This prayer is our key to the treasures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for anyone who, who, who fulfills this, this gift with reverence. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, was Salah to Islam, Allah Sayyidina Muhammadin, Wada Ali, he was Habi, he was Mantabi Ahumbi Hassani, La Yomadin, Walina Mahumafihim be Rahmatika, Ya Arhamar Rahimin, Ashadu Allah, Yahallah, Washadu and Muhammadan Abduhu Rasulu, Inni Usikum, Wanafsiya Bitakwallah, Amma Bad. Now, how do we obtain presence in the prayer? How? It's easy to talk about, it's easy to diagnose, but how do we cure? And we are all, we have all fallen short in our prayers in the past. Right? And the first, in, indeed the first step is to be remorseful for what we've done. Right? To be ashamed of what we're presenting before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Right? Knowing that the first thing that we'll be asked about on the day of judgment is our prayers. Right? And then if, if there is deficiency found in our prayers, right, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the angels to go look through the book of deeds and see if they have any voluntary prayers. Right, to fulfill to fill those deficiencies. Right? How many voluntary prayers do we have prepared for that? Right? Very few. Right? And this I'm I'm talking about myself first and foremost. Right? So how do we start from now to rectify in the time that we still have in this world, right, to fulfill the rights of this prayer and to open the gates of the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right? The first and foremost is reverence. Right, to understand the greatness of who before you before whom you've standing in the prayer. Right, to have an understanding, I am standing in front of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And this is how the righteous people were in the past, that when they said, Allahu Akbar, Allah is the absolutely great, Allah is the greatest, their hearts meant that. There was nothing in their hearts that had any status in comparison to the status that it had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if any status at all. There is nothing in their hearts greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? We need to first understand who is Allah, right? who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that whoever reveres the symbols of Allah, then it is from the taqwa of their hearts. Right? And this is and the, the, the rewards that we get from the prayer is in accordance to our understanding of the prayer and understanding to whom we are praying. The second is concern. We have to want it. We need to be concerned about the quality of our prayer before we even start the prayer. When we stand on the, on the prayer mats and we're facing the qibla, we need to discuss with our own selves, communicate with our own egos and our own desires and say, look, we're about to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're going to do it with our body, soul, and our hearts to the fullest extent that we are possi possible. Right? We have to want it. 
Right? And there is no way to avert our concerns away from the filth, filth of the world and the impurities of shaitan, of the whispers of shaitan, right? unless we understand the significance of the prayer, the significance of the hereafter, right? for which we are doing the prayer to prepare for, right? the significance of the one whom we stand or are standing in front of. And it is to the extent right, that a person's concerned with something, their heart will follow that thing. If they're concerned with wealth, that's where their heart will be. That a person will be where their heart is concerned. If their concern is worldly things, their heart will be with worldly things. But if their concern is with whether Allah is pleased with them or not, and then their heart will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet said, If you are not angry with me, then I don't care about anything else. That I don't care about anything else. Right? So how do we obtain this this concern? Right? We need to we need to learn more about Allah. We need to reflect on the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greatness of the hereafter and the temporality and the ephemeral nature of this world that we're going to die very soon and leave it behind. And the hereafter, the eternality of the hereafter is what's waiting for us. Either we prepared or we didn't. And there's no way to go back. Right? But there are other means that we can take to help our prayer. From before we even start, one is to be focused in doing the wudu itself, the ablution. While we're doing the wudu, we should be focused that we are worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in the washings before the prayer. It's not just that, okay, let me get this over with so that I can go worship Allah. No, you are worshiping Allah as soon as you make the intention to start your wudu. Right? Another thing the scholars would mention is to remove any distractions. If we pray in a certain place in our house, and we know there's toys around and there's books and everything. And we always, when we're praying, we look over at this. Oh, what's that title of that book? Oh, I don't have that copy. Right? I'm talking about myself, obviously. Right? Or if you're, if whatever it is that we know that there's things. There's a mirror there. And obviously, I can see the whole rest of the house. And obviously, I'm going to glance toward that. Or I'm praying and the kitchen's right there and I can see everything. Obviously, I'm going to be distracted. Let me pray somewhere else. Right? And the companions, they would, they would pray in places that were... Right, free of any distractions. And they would some of them would even pray in the dark so that they can't see anything anyway. Right? And these are, these are steps that we can take. Right? Another is to concentrate not just on what we're saying, but on the movements that we're doing as well, the positions. What does it mean to bow before Allah? What does it mean to put your forehead on the ground before Allah and say, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, glory be to my Lord the Most High. These are, the, these are some tips, right? and then with regards to the, the inward distractions, that's a little bit harder. Right? The scholars, they mention to read Surah Al-Nas before even starting the prayer, so to fight off any distractions from the shaitan, right? but removing the love of the dunya is the only true cure right, to, to the distractions of the heart. Right? And once the dunya is removed from the heart and all that remains is the love of Allah, then there could be noise and tribulation and everything going on around you and you are in your prayer. And this happened to the companions that the wall of the masjid collapsed and the person was still in the prayer. Right? And then when he finished the prayer, right, then he moved to the, to the side right? because the rocks barely just almost crushed him. Another companion is narrated that in the house while he was praying, right, a snake fell from the roof and almost killed the baby. Almost attacked the baby. And the, and the companion, after the prayer, he prayed salam. He said, I heard something. What happened? 
Right? The, the whole house is in, ruck, in ruckus trying to kill this snake. And he, I heard something. But that's all he heard. Right? And then we'll close with this. Abu Rayhana, one of the great companions of the Prophet, he went out for a battle. And in those times, there was no phones or no way to communicate back home. So he went out, and he didn't come back for years. He came back years later. And it's the Sunnah of the Prophet to, give, to send notice ahead that you're coming. So he sends notice ahead, and his wife gets notice that he's finally coming back after years of being gone. And so she, she makes food, she prepares the house, she beautifies herself, everything. So he finally comes home, she, he greets her, uh, and she greets him, and he asks her permission, can I please pray two rakats before, uh, before we eat? Right? And she said, yes, and I'll also pray two rakats right, of my own next to you. So he says, Allahu Akbar. And she says, her own prayer, she says, Allahu Akbar. Next thing he hears is the adhan of Fajr. And she's mad. And she has the right to be mad, sisters. She has the right to be mad. Right? She said, right? You went out for battle, and you finally came back, and then you tired yourself all night in prayer. Don't we have any portion? Don't we have any rights over you? He said, yes, you do. I'm so sorry. But when I entered the prayer, Allah took my heart on a journey through paradise. I can see the rivers and the flowers and the castles and all of the bliss of paradise. And the only thing that made me come back was the adhan of fajr that I heard. Then I realized and I finished the prayer. It wasn't, on, it wasn't intentional that I neglected your rights. It was because of the lidda, the pleasure that my heart was experiencing in communion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the, the one who gave them is still the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was ready to give us. But are we ready to receive it? In Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alihi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad Kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim Innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barak ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن ساداتنا الخلفاء الراشدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع ساداتنا الصحابة الكرام وأهل بيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المطاهرين من الأرجاس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات إنك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات Oh Allah, we ask you to make us of those who see the prayer as a true blessing as it, is, as it is. We ask you to give us consistency in fulfilling its rights outwardly and inwardly and that we show it the due respect. We ask you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in desperation for your mercy and grace to forgive us for the unacceptable way that we rushed through our prayers through our life. The unacceptable way that we took this blessing of yours and threw it behind our back. We ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from this day forward to make us of those who see the prayer as a nourishment of the soul and a light for the heart, and that this prayer will, that this, our prayers become means of protection for us in the grave and means for our raising of ranks in the day of judgment and means to meet you while you are pleased with us. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan wa ita'i dhin qurba wa yanha anil fahshai wal munkari wal baghi ya'idhukum la'alikum tathakkaroon. وَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ الْعَظِيمِ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَاشْكُرُوهُ عَلَى نِعْمِهِ يَزِدْكُمْ وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أ